Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Achtung, Achtung, Christmas is a coming, dear listeners. And to quote Richard Chaplow, 26 appearances, nine sun, one goal. As he once said, you cannot beat a good board game. And we've got a good board game for you here. Achtung has teamed up with a tremendous football trivial pursuit style game called Pundit. You can follow Pundit at Pundit Games on Twitter. And it's a really nice little game, actually. It's a board game. It consists of football trivia questions, easy and hard. Some of the hard ones are very, very hard. And you move along a football pitch to score goals against your opponent. It will suit the football head in your life, dear listeners. Great way to pass a Christmas afternoon. You can get a 10% discount if you visit punditgames.co.uk. That's P-U-N-D-I-T-G-A-M-E-S. Punditgames.co.uk. Get a 10% discount at checkout with the code LIONS in capital letters. LIONS, capital letters. And every sale will benefit the Lions Food Hub. Um, what a better way to pass your Christmas than to enjoy a good football trivia game and to know you're doing good at the same time. So get on it. Punditgames.co.uk Hi, it's Mr. Bye for now from Millwall Football Club and you're listening to the world famous Acton Millwall. Hello dear listeners, welcome to Listed Lions, Achtung Mills, Listed Lions, a favourite show and I'm hoping a really good guest today, it's lovely to be able to speak to him at last, it's Jim Hackett, how are you doing Jim? Alright Nick, lovely to be here, lovely to see you and uh, looking yeah. forward to this, yeah. Listeners need to know, we've been trying to put this together for a little while now and for reasons that are too deep to go into, it hasn't hasn't quite come off, but it's great to actually see you and meet you now Jim, yeah. so welcome to the show. Um. Yes, I see that you're very, very well tanned, mate. You look like you've just come back from an exotic foreign location. Where you been? Yeah, just uh, come back from a week in Dubai, Nick. So it was uh, very a nice. fantastic, very nice. fantastic weather. Stayed in a lovely hotel, ruined, yeah. ruined by the foreign supporters of. Uh, <laughs> it was like you can have three thousand people in the hotel and two and a half thousand rather Welsh or Argentinian. So yeah, and, that's grim. and that's... I don't know what they packed, but all they did was walk around in football shirts. So they were, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and most of them were a little bit too grown up to wear football shirts. So it was. Uh, I think there's an age limit, fun, mate. Yeah. I think with, with a modern football shirt with the figure hugging um, materials they use yeah. now, it's not a good idea. 
Um, how was your? I mean, you, obviously you weren't in Qatar. You would have seen quite a lot of the World Cup, I'm guessing, and obviously you've had the Welsh and the, yeah. the Argentines on hand. Uh, we were just saying off air, Jim, weren't we? Um, my impression, I've not been anywhere other than my TV screen for this World Cup, but it feels like a different World Cup in the sense of no aggravation that I've seen anyway. I haven't, I haven't seen any <laughs> social media yeah. on 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 there, which. Is a, I don't know, is it a good thing? I suppose it is a good thing. Good thing and a bad thing, perhaps, because it, it takes away a bit of an edge. So well, there was, a tournament. There was opportunities um, during the week I was in Dubai where it could have got a little bit tasty because, you know, obviously yeah. the, the Welsh aren't backwards at voicing their dislike of England. The Argentinians no. weren't a problem. It was mainly the Welsh. And, and I think the good thing with the, um, the English there, we had the upper hand because of the first game. The fact, mm. the fact that we were drew, drew with America, I think, helped things. But there, there was a, not confrontation, but there, there was a lot of banter. And, and it, <laughs> it was getting a little bit tidy, you know, to, as the game was going on. And, you know, have all these Welsh buddy supporters chanting USA. Yeah. And it, and as, as the game went on, when we got away with the draw, I think everybody was quite happy. And and it was, yeah. it was um, lively. And it, it could have got livelier, but it didn't, really, which was a good good job. Good. I mean, you know, obviously in Qatar, I'm, I'm going to guess different laws to Dubai um, in terms of drinking because the stories we've picked up is that it's been quite difficult. One or two spots in, in Qatar, apparently, where you can get a beer. But what's it like in Dubai in that sense? Do you have bars? Is it oh, pubs or is, is it hotels have got restricted? bars. It's, it's very expensive, but I'll go back, back to the hotel I stayed in. It was all-inclusive. So right, you know, okay. th- there wasn't a restriction, if you like. You know, everybody could drink as much as they wanted throughout the day, throughout yeah. the night. So, a lot of the time, the the, the Welsh supporters, the Argentinians, whatever, they, they would fly out of Dubai early morning, get their yeah. afternoon game, and be back in Dubai for the evening, so they could get on it. And uh, and and obviously, <laughs> that was all that was all part of the pleasure for them. And the, the only sort of uh, the only plus that we had was that Argentina got beat in the, the first game. The Welsh obviously had their trouble, so it didn't get too yeah. it didn't get too far into it. For you know, we, we had the uh, the moral high ground from the off, and drinking for consolation after the other night against England. I mean, I thought it was a pretty routine win for us, really, Jim. The other night, well, I had to listen to because we flew back and the, oh, uh, the game kicked off while yeah. I was at Manchester Airport. I don't know if you've ever been to Manchester Airport. It's the um, oh, I have actually the yeah, scu- yeah. scummiest airport in Britain. You know, it was very nice, and I just had, had to stand there waiting. And as soon as I got my luggage, just got outside, and England scored. So I, right. I, I listened to it on the way home. I got the last twenty minutes, so I got a, I got one of the goals. But yeah, I think it's it, it's it's a difficult time. I think you know we, we went from the elation of the first game to to the misery of the second game, and then the hope of the third game that came true. So we've only got Senegal now, aren't we? So it's not a problem. <laughs> I thought they looked quite a strong side, to be yeah. honest with you. When I was, what I saw of them, and, and who they beat, they beat um, Ecuador, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and I thought they looked quite a decent side, which might help us. That though, I think, I think that'll help us. I think teams that that will come at us will benefit us. I think it's you know it's where we're expected to win, and we've got to go at teams. I think we really struggle because everything slows down, doesn't it? But I think with a bit of pace in the game, we should be okay. Yeah. That's what the Welsh did, didn't they? I mean, they sat back very much, and um, um, Harry and our uh, WhatsApp group described Wales as a League Two side, but a League Two side that sits back does create a, an obstacle, which you know you have to break down. We we did break them down, and that that's that's all to the good. But I think you're right. I, 
Senegal's got one or two Premier League level players in there, so maybe they'll come at us and that'll open up yeah. spaces, I hope. Anyway, we'll, we'll see on Sunday. And do you know what? It's, it's, it's a game where sort of we've got into a round that we expected to, and any, yeah. anything from here is a bonus, isn't it? You know, if we got knocked out, it'll be, I think so. it'll be Southgate's fault. It's very much like being a Millwall supporter, isn't it? You know, when, when it goes tits up, it's uh, Gary Rowett's fault. When it goes well, they're a fantastic team. You know, it's uh, down to the down yeah. to the talent of the players. He's, he has Rowett kind of um, similarities yeah. Southgate in, in in terms of playing style. Anyway, um, I must admit, you know, after that opening game where we we put six past Iran, I thought, well, uh, maybe maybe we're really going to go for it. Maybe we're playing with. Um, the handbrake off, as the cliche has it, um, but he does seem to like his handbrake. Well, he? I, I suppose he gets success. It gets you gets you to a certain point in the game, doesn't it's it? It's a modern manager, though, isn't it? You know, a lot of them they they play not to lose rather than go for the win from yeah. the off. And I think successful teams never play with the handbrake on, do they? You never see the Brazilians uh, sort of fanning around sides. with it. And and you know, I think being a Millwall support for so long, very few teams that we've had that you can remember that that they just play with that freedom that got success but when they did you know for uh, when they got it stands out in your yeah. memory doesn't it I mean we, no as, as a club I mean we, we're obviously uh, here today talking about Millwall primarily but um, yeah I mean I make you right I think there's, there are similarities with England in the sense you always have a sense that we should be could be should be maybe um, yearn for something a bit more than what we get half the time but uh, there we are but the reason reason we've got Jim on the show listeners is because he is a listed lion and um, it, we, we want to hear about Jim's story as a Millwall fan. So Jim, Jim Hackett, as you know, I mean, I've got a list of questions. Whenever I look at my list of questions, I think I've got to update these, Jim, because we, we know your name already. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go to your first Millwall game. How, how long have you been a Millwall fan? What was your first game? Uh, the first game, and and I'm not sure if it was my first game, um, but the first yeah. game I, I can ever remember, I think we played uh, Sheffield United in... It must have been 70, 71, something like that. Uh, right. And I'd, I'd moved because I grew up in, well, that's how I grew up. I was in um, care for a few years and I moved to Waterloo. Yeah. When we came out of the home, me and my sister, my mum moved to Waterloo for a, a couple of years and then moved to Elephant Castle when I was about nine, I think. And then right. from there, I, I didn't have a football team at that time because it wasn't sort of part of my my sort of uh, lifestyle, yeah. So, yeah. But then I, yeah, I got there yeah. and suddenly I, I was, I lived on the Rockingham estate and there was loads of lads, loads of Irish kids, loads of uh, West Indian kids. And, and we all sort of grew up together and, and picking a team at that point was important. And a lot of them were surprisingly, you know, you know Liverpool supporters or, yeah. you know, Man United supporters. I had a, a good friend who was a Fulham supporter and I just couldn't bring myself to, to go for anybody that, that was away from from where I live, so I, I looked for a local team, and it was Millwall. So I sort of I hung on to it at that point, and people couldn't understand, even though I lived close there, they couldn't understand why I wanted right. to be a Millwall support. But I thought I'd I'll pick them because they're local, and I then had the opportunity so did to you go pick them. Yeah, I picked did you them. Pick yeah. them before you went. Yeah, I, did you? I picked, okay. picked them before I went, and uh, wow. And then, like I say, this lad who who was a Fulham supporter. He's got mm. he's got his own story, if you like, in future years. He ended up being a, a copper and and right. he now lives in Benidorm and works as a comedy act called Cock Robin, which, again, you know, I've got... <laughs> but I only found this out recently, so... That's got to be yeah. another story. Yeah, so so he, he was a full of and, and he, he said, 
why don't we do this? Well, we'll go to Fulham one week when they're at home. We'll go to Millwall the following week when they're at home. And, right. and we did that for, yeah. for a little while. And the, but the first game I can remember was, was Sheffield United where we got a win. And it, it was, I couldn't understand why we wouldn't win anyway. But it's only yeah. as, I, as sort of later on in life, I realised you don't always win your own games. But we went and, and, and I walked in there and it was um, it was interesting. You know, for a young lad, I think I must have been 11, maybe 12. And it was absolutely right. fantastic. And after that, I never never lost that love of going and watch Millwall and, and probably have the worst 90 minutes of, of my, my every week was going to the game because it was just, you know, and it was a period, I suppose, where there was a lot of um, carnage going on. You know, going, going to a football game wasn't just a matter of going to a football game. It was going to a football game, trying to stay safe, trying to watch what was going on at the same time, being aware of everything. Because at that point, you could you could sort of get from one end of the ground to the other. And and it, there used to be a lot of people running from one end of the ground to the other for some reason. And it weren't always Millwall supporters. You know, it was... No, it was no. It was, a, it was a, a, a real interesting time to be young. And it was like formative years, I think, when I was... 14, 15, suddenly the cold blow lane looks a little bit more interesting than it had done previously, right. you know. So I'd, I'd, I used to go there and just try and get to the front wherever I was. And then gradually, as I uh, as I was getting a little bit older and things were going on, I, I thought, you know, that's the place to be. And if you're going to be safe, be in the cold blow lane, you know. And, and although there was lots of problems, it was a, a good place to be. It's quite interesting. I mean, I, I often think this, and again, maybe it's the... Um, the effect of getting older and advanced years. I mean, we've got family now, I've got a nephew aged, um, what is he now, 15, 14 going to 15. And I don't know about you, Jim, but I, I, I feel quite lucky to have been brought up in an era that where, you know, I went with mates, similar kind, not same backstory, yeah. but I went to the den when I was 11, 10. We just took off with some mates, aged a similar age. We went to the football on the train, walked through New Cross and came back later, you know, in, in the evening. You wouldn't dream of letting your kids do that now, but I do think there was something valuable in it, um, despite all the dangers that I recognise when I listen to what you've just described, because you get open fistfights going on in terraces, but it weren't all the time, yeah. but it happened. I, I remember seeing it. Um, you know, and, and you, 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 there was a sense of danger mixed with thrill and excitement that you went to football. I don't know. It's hard to put your finger. I wouldn't dream of letting my kids now. No, I think it's an age yeah. thing as well, isn't it? I think it's, it's those those formative years where you're you're discovering yourself as well as everything else is going around. My One of my earliest memories at Millwall was they played against Nottingham Forest and and whatever happened before the game and suddenly this Forest supporter jumped over the barrier from his end, if you like, mm. you know, yeah. and he got chased all the length of the pitch by a, a big lad a Millwall supporter yeah. And, it, yeah, yeah. and it was yeah. like watching the Olympic 100 metres this guy he, <laughs> he, had a, he had a 10 yard start and gradually as he got towards our end this this there's a panther grabbed hold of him and, and he's pummeling him and the stewards obviously couldn't get anywhere near him you know and, and by the time no, the, no. the cheers and everything it was like you know the cup final it was fantastic it was akin to a gladiatorial <laughs> arena I can see how the Roman Empire had that yeah. as a as a spectacle but um, yeah I mean it's, it's it's weird when you look back in that way um but there we are I mean so you just said you you, you went on the CBL um yeah back then you could go all around the ground Jim. yeah you could walk from one end to the other half time many many did didn't they? And, and that's how it was uh, or, or for trouble you know uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> from one end to the other you know 
Did you ever go in the seats? Did you ever go in the, no. in the seating area? No, uh, it, was, it was that, that, that was you had to pay money for that, didn't you? I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I used yeah. to try and pay as little as possible to go anywhere, you know, and <laughs> and going to Millwall was about getting in as cheap as possible and trying to find your way around. And I used to look at people in the seats with envy, you know, because they could actually sit there and watch a game without any uh, any sort of distorted yeah. views. The, the thing with it, I, I used to love to pay that little turnstile. I think I may have said this many times. Apologies to listeners for the same old stories. But they used to have a little turnstile inside the ground. Very odd arrangement. You could pay extra money and go into the forecourt seats, the ones at the front, the right. orange ones, you know. And I used to do that as if I had a, enough money. Um, I used to treat myself. I've always been a great believer in treating myself, Jim, for my life. So. <laughs> uh, I used to go sit yeah. in the, in the, but you still got problems in there. I mean, again, you, you you couldn't escape it at the den. You'd always get um, something would kick off in there. You know? It was a harsh it environment. The, the whole den used to be a harsh environment, I think. And uh, it, but was, it, but it was a harsh arena. It, wasn't it, it, it? Yeah. it was an acceptable part of the life, you know, at the time. I'd, I'd, the funny thing was, I used to go, and as I got to sort of 13, 14, 15, I had a mate who lived very mm. close to the ground, and he used to leave 10 minutes early because he had to sell okay. He had to sell the old uh, Eden Stand and London Stand or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. used to be on the, the, the bridge on the old Kent Road, and he used to have to, the results. He used to, have to stand yeah. there, he'd collect the papers that he right. got dropped off, and then he'd sell them to passers-by or cars used to stop and buy a paper off him. So I used to leave with him at the same time, just sort of get on a bus to get home before the crowd sort of. Uh, so it was a. This is a right reminiscent festage. The papers, the result papers, is an aspect of life that's gone completely. I mean, you, you, you know, it does sound like the Victorian era when you yeah. used to wait with, with bated breath for the arrival of the evening news with the football results on them on the Saturday evening. Um, often with half-filled-out match reports because they couldn't complete them yeah. in time before the print. But nobody knew the results, did they? And that's how it was. It was. No, you didn't know the results. <laughs> there's no way. If you missed the radio, they used to have them on Radio 2, I think, didn't they? And if you missed that, you had to wait till the next day in the Sunday papers. If you, you, know, you wouldn't know what the results were, you know. Do you look back on the old den with fondness, Jim? I mean, I, yeah. I, I think it's hard not to. I, I, as I loved it. Area. I, I was very lucky when I, I played the South on the schoolboys and we had a game there. And I couldn't. I think it was, right. I think it was against Lincoln Schools or something like that. But just getting on the pitch and and if you like a professional ground as 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 minging and dirty and horrible as it was, it was just a fantastic yeah. place to be. And and I used to I used to go there even if there was a reserve game. Occasionally, I'd go you know on my own from where I live. I get a bus up there and just go in and watch a reserve game. So I just loved it. the whole smell of the place, the environment. It's just a a fantastic place yeah. to be. And and it was a shame, obviously, it was obvious once it went, it went. But, you know, it was a shame that it wasn't uh, seen as a more of a, a focal point, I suppose. Yeah, I, I always find it strange. You, you see it with other grounds, but obviously the den being ours, um, the way these places of, of, of real note and entertainment can just disappear. And that's what happened with, with Coldblow Lane. You know, yeah. It's a very nondescript uh Fair, fair view homes estate on it. Nothing, nothing against those people that bought there, but it's, there was really nothing. We managed to get a plaque put up there just to mark it. I thought it was, it was not wrong for it not to be marked at all. Because none of the road names there reflects the fact that was where on the great football stadiums yeah. of the game were, once was. It's very odd how the way that was done. It just disappeared. It's it's quite quite weird. Um, how do you like the new den? I mean, I, I love it as a, as a football stadium. It don't compare with the old one, but I, I, I like it. Do you like the new place? Yeah. The I, new place, 30 years old now. Well, it's funny, isn't it? A, a certain generation will still call it the new den. 
Uh, I think yeah. uh, I think uh, the other generation will just call it the den, you know. But the den, it, it's, yeah. The first time I went there, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit later was a, a playoff game against Wigan. I took my lad there, and that was yeah. the first time I'd seen it, and I couldn't believe how modern and uh, swish it was, you know, compared to the old ground. And I thought, yeah. you know, this is a, a, the future of football. Then, you know, fantastic. And you go in and everybody has a view. I went to the Sporting Lisbon friendly. Managed, to, I'd left it late getting a ticket. I managed to squeeze in on the lower tier right at the very end. Um, but my jaw dropped when, when I walked in there, Jim. So I, I used yeah. to live nearby and you watched it being constructed, the bare bones of it. But you don't quite absorb what it's going to look like on the inside until you, you get in there. And... I was quite breathtaking that we'd achieved it. It felt didn't it felt like Mill transformed itself into something unfamiliar at, oh, yeah. at first. I don't know if that, well, that makes sense after Coldplay Lake. Well, they started showing, uh, they started playing England under twenty one games there, didn't they? Things like that, that, yeah. that something that we never had, you know, in our uh, no. in our history. Like suddenly, the, it, it was a focal. They stopped. Point I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> why would that be? I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was quite, um, it was quite something to, I think, I mean, Reg Burr was, was, you know, I, I, obviously we mentioned him a few times on these right. shows, but I mean, it was a massive achievement that he, he pulled off there, keeping us so close to home. And if we have to move, it's better that we are still just a couple of hundred yards away from our yeah. real ground, I, as it still feels to me. I don't think it'd happen again, would it? Again, there's very few yeah, new football grounds now that, that get away with, you know, being so local. When no. you know, they've got Arsenal massive... did it, didn't they? With the Emirates, they yeah. did it, but um, very, very difficult. Yeah, but I think it's. I mean, if you're going to spend the sort of money they would have spent on the ground compared to what we'd have spent on a new ground, you know, you've probably got a chance. But I think you know, the, the modern stadiums now, they're, they're as as lovely as they are, they're not generally mm. in the middle of their population, are they? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Achtung, Mailball. Um, 
I think we sold the den probably at the worst possible time because the, there was a property slump, I think, in the early 90s. I'm sure we didn't get all that. Uh, we, yeah. The sale of Coldblow Lane funded the construction of the new place, but there we are. That was that was what it was, you know. Well, somebody benefited. Let's move on to... <laughs> we, we probably can't explore that without committing the uh, the, the, yeah. the, the, the crime of libel, you know. Um, the, uh, the Your favourite all-time player, you've been around since the... Just a bit longer than me, Jim, so who would you pick as your... Right, I, I could think about this. Player. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think after my era, I suppose my my first sort of uh, guy was Keith Weller. I used to look at Keith Weller as a right, a, 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 yeah. a, a bronze god amongst you know some some fantastic players. But he he was the one that stood out for me in those days. Then obviously, had Gordon yeah. Hill. Gordon Hill was um, great, a, great winger, wasn't he? Fantastic, Merlin. yeah, and and. The trouble we didn't have him long enough, you know. It was, it was one of the things that the oh, club, the club always took money, you know, for good <laughs> players at that time that that possibly could have been the ones that pushed us on a little bit. So there was Imam and Weller. I think I, I loved obviously Teddy Sheringham because he was at the time he was Millwall through and through. He was, you know, a, yeah. a, a, a player that was so unusual for a Millwall type player that you know that I think it was impossible not to love him at the time. Um, I think. It, but my favourite, I think, really was a, a guy called Alan Dorney. I don't know if you remember him. You see, I remember Alan Dorney, a defender. Absolutely. Very, very elegant He was a, so elegant. majestic that, because that, I, I used to play, in fact, when I started playing, I was it was the old, uh, was it 3-5-2, that thing, you know, where, not 3-5-2, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the W formation. And I was a right, right. I was a right half. And he was right. he was a player that you look at and you think, God, how can he do that? You know, he was just so cultured and he would play balls into feet and balls into space and know what he was doing at the same time. He could put a foot in, he could defend and and win the ball. Yeah. And I think he never got the, the credit he deserved, but he was a fantastic player. So I, I would put my all-time favourite probably as, as Dorney, only because... That's a very unusual choice, Because I mean, I'm, I'm from a generation that can remember him, you know, and, and yeah, he, yeah, he had, quite, he had yeah. an effect on me. And, and I mean, there's so many others you could throw in there. I think Tim Cale's one that you could you could put in the, the box, you know, as, as being unusual for a Millwall player. There's, there's so many yeah. of them, and, yeah. and it, you go through a different generation. I mean, we, we went through a, a generation where there was very little sort of a spark about Millwall, you know, there was there's mm. very little to get too excited about, but we've had different teams over the years. So, yeah, I'd, I'd go for Dorney only because of the effect he had on me as a young player, I think. That's a great choice because, I mean, obviously at that time I, I started going, Dorney was a mainstay of the defence, uh, Alan Dorney alongside Barry Kitchener yeah. and, and Dennis Burnett in front. I mean, I'd say Dorney and Burnett were both elegant in a way that you don't... Kitch and I love Kitch. He was he'd be my choice of favourite ever player. But he was he was much more the the big bustling centre half, the kind of player you would associate yeah. with the, the name and, and brand modern term of Millwall. Whereas both uh, Dennis Burnett and Alan Dorney were probably not not they weren't your traditional Millwall players in the sense of they picked their passes as you said, and they were they they were good tacklers without being. Yeah. Dirty players, if that. They were cultured, the right weren't they? Choice. Culture. I mean, Bur- Burnett was a great that's a, player. That's yeah. the right term. Yeah. Um, so a good choice, unusual choice, if I may say yeah. so. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like. I like I'm I, ruining I, it. Yeah. I like. We no 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 no. We 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 love the unusual choices. Um, so the, I mean, you've picked out a few names there. Great great players each. Sherry yeah. And Cahill, uh, Dorney. Uh, but we must always have the other side of the coin. 
Mr. Hackett, yeah. and that is your worst, your worst ch- choice of worst ever Millwall player. I, I mean, it's always unfair. I've, I've struggled like, with it, yeah. honestly, because I, I, I think being a Millwall supporter, you can hate players for for different reasons and <laughs> irrational yeah, reasons. But I can't, you know, <laughs> because I, I I I joined the army in 1976, and sort of between right. 1976 and 93. I was really in the UK, so I didn't really get to see the club. So I can't pick players out of that era. Uh, no, no, and no. Okay. Then when I came back and, and lived back in the UK in '93, from then it was very difficult to to, to get down because I live up, I live up in North Wales, so to get down and see Millwall right. was difficult. So and I've never been one for um, jumping on players' backs and and moaning. Right. So I was saying, I mean, any professional footballer is is a better player than I ever was. And, and and to call them crap. So I, and I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the, the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I I struggle with the worst ever Millwall player because okay. I think they, they've all had something. I, I wish I was one I could remember hating, and the only ones I can remember hating are after they've left Millwall, and for different reasons, you know, the reason they've left, or you know, and go on, they'll do. Go on, we've got to have, we've got to have a choice of Samson. They'll, they'll do. Go on, we'll I'll go for grabbing then. Grabbing. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's an easy pick, but. You know, the, he's an easy pick, and and you know, I, I did watch him live, and 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 I thought he's a very talented. I thought boy. He, he's I, got I, some of him, and and yeah, and then you you you're just waiting for it all the time, and and I was waiting and waiting, and, and he never showed enough of it until he went somewhere else, and then suddenly he goes other yeah. places, and you know, he, he uses us as a bloody goalkeeper's net, doesn't he? But he he never stopped scoring, but and again, I, I I think he got harshly treated in uh, Calvin's book, but. At the same time, he did. At the same yeah, time, you know, yeah. th- th- there's a lot of truth in in the whole book. So, you know, there's, it's just like yeah, isn't it? yeah. I mean, Lewis, I, I used to like him, um, but I, I I think he went through a difficult phase in in his. Uh, you know, the den can be a harsh. I mean, we've said it already, Jim. Yeah, it's a harsh arena, isn't it? To 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 make a make a, a living in the in the game, and for for some reason, uh, some players just don't. Aren't taken to by the, the Millwall crowd. Well, it's it's, and, it's um, not a ground to grow up in, Nick, is it? You know, you, you you're not gonna if you can get your your growing up years in at Millwall, you either succeed or fail. You know, and and if you fail, you don't really get them. You you go somewhere else and get them. I do worry about Tyler Bury. Who I think is also oh, yeah. clearly also a talented boy. I'm just reading before we came online here about how he's not been well lately, and you know, um, I do worry that he's on the. Yeah, I think he's still still seen as a talent, but uh, that doesn't, doesn't always endear you to the the the, the Den crowd, Jim. Does it? No. it can go go the other way quite fast, you know. Well, yeah, um, I think he had this surprise factor, didn't he? You know, when he came along and and suddenly looked like something we were missing and we needed. And every now and then he shows that little spark, and you think, "Thank fuck for that!" You know, he's 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 got something, and then he disappears again and, you know, he can play 90 minutes and just not perform or he can play 10 minutes and have a worldie. You know, it's, it's a difficult one. I think we struggle with flair players, Jim. I I think it's flair because it, flair, flair comes and goes, doesn't it? You know, they're always a little bit um, mercurial that, you know, you get a good game, you get a bad game, maybe you get a little run of nothing and then you get something brilliant. We've, we've had a few over the years and they've never truly, there's something, I don't know, maybe it's an innately working class uh, club in that way that, you know, unless you're sweating blood for the club, you, you're not fully trusted. Uh, maybe there's something of that in it. Well, I think there's the you, you just want hundred percent, Nick, and 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 some people give off the impression that their hundred percent isn't quite what everybody else's hundred percent is. You know, it's <laughs> it's uh, you know, it might be it might be hundred percent, but it's, if, if if that's all it is, it's not very good. 
You know, no, and, and you, no, you just want no. that spark there. You, you want to see, you know, Bury when he gets the ball. You just want to see him push the ball past the player, beat him for pace, either get a cross or a shot. And just do that four or five times in the game and it will be enough. But sometimes he goes through a whole game not doing it at all. You know, I think it's where players give you a sense that they, they've not given up. That's the wrong way to yeah. put it. But I think if it doesn't work first time, then there's a slight loss of spirit. And I think that that can... That, that can erode uh, on all, in all directions, especially at the den, which is not a forgiving arena yeah. by any by anyone's measure. You know, no, I think um, I think you're right though. I think with, with Bure, I think that, that as as painful as it is, that the jury is going to be out on him still for a while. You know, until he puts a, a run of four or five games together that that spark and, and some players can do it, and some players can't, like you say. So let's hope he can. Um, your most memorable match, Jim? Which would you pick as your me- over the <sighs> course of your Mill supporting years, you can pick one out. I can, I can, I can, a couple. I can only pick the same one as everybody else. I think, which is the Sunderland semi-final. I think, yeah, because I, I, yeah. I, I live up this sort of this way. I live about an hour from Manchester, so I, I, was, yeah. I, I bought tickets off online. I think I bought them. It cost me about two hundred and fifty quid each for me and my lad, and we went right. there. And and I never had a game. You know, all the years of supporting Millwall, it was like a cup final on its own, wasn't it? And it was just so, so I don't know, um, nervous, tension, everything that goes with it. You know, just watching that. As soon as we got the goal, it was like, oh fuck, what happens now? You know, it's because <laughs> it, it's, it's that hope that kills you. But at the same time, absolutely, absolutely. I, I thought that day, I, I thought we were fantastic, and we probably weren't. If you were watching as a neutral, it wasn't that sort of game. But I thought we were no. absolutely magnificent. You know, Muscat and. You know, the goal, everything that goes with it. I thought even Marshall and goal, yeah, everything that we did sort of come off and then McAteer got sent off. Uh, Kevin Carter yeah. up front for Sunderland, who, you know, who was a generally good player and, and whatever did it, you know, it just went on forever and ever. And then the final whistle went. And and I'd never seen all supporters like that in my life, you know, just being part of it. To be in a cup final, I mean, it was unthinkable, Jim. Oh. I mean, when, when you and I started going in the early 70s, if somebody had said, We'll, we'll go to an FA Cup final. We'll, we'll qualify for Europe. You know, yeah, I, I thought you lost the lost the plot. You know, I mean, it's just it wasn't um, wasn't on the Millwall agenda, was it? No. It just didn't happen to us. Well, I spent the following we that kind of club. I spent the following day just listening to Talk Sport all day, just to get just to get the the, the comments. You know, just so that, that everybody was sort of applauding Millwall for getting there because it was magnificent achievement and and going to the the final. You know, if you, even if you take away the the injuries, suspensions, and everything we had, you know, in the team we put out, the cup final yeah. really was just a bonus. It was the semi final was the cup final, and and to, to have made it, and, and to yeah. to watch it in my land, you know, it was absolutely fantastic, and and everybody's hugging each other, and it took me an hour to get there, and it took me about four hours to get back. The traffic was shocking, but <laughs> it didn't matter, did it? Because we had someone to talk about no, and just no. rejoicing and listen to on the radio, but. That, that, and you could listen to the radio, yeah, yeah. that's right, in the car. But that, absolutely, that was a fantastic match. Yeah, and you know, again, I'll go back to somewhat ironic. A friend of mine, a lad who used to play for me years ago, he was yeah. he was a physio at the Millwall Academy at the time, and I just happened to ring him up after the game, and he said, "Do you, need, do you want any tickets for the final?" And I just paid five hundred quid for two tickets. I said, "Could you have got me tickets?" For you? He said, "Yeah." So, that's a, <laughs> so <laughs> I got two tickets from the final, often, but that, that was fantastic. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I mean, these, these these games. I mean, so many of us, and I'd probably say the same um, myself. If if you want one game, 
Um, but I often thought afterwards that point you made, I, I bet it weren't a very good game for a neutral to watch because I remember seeing the sky potted highlights. They, they, I thought well, that didn't go on for very long, that, that little potted highlight, because there wasn't much in a way no. <laughs> well, there was that much to show, you know. But from our point of view, it was an endless, endless um, journey towards the, the, the golden land. Oh, of God, Palestine. yeah. Well, I said golden, it was, it was, can we keep the wall out of our net on it? It didn't matter, you know. We just about did. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic day. I remember Danny Dicchio missing a chance late in the game. Um, I think he put it over the bar, a header, but there we are. Oh, great, great days. Um, Similar kind of question, Jim. I mean, I don't know if you can separate the two. Your favourite Millwall moment, would that be the same as as the uh, semi final? Would you choose a different moment? I've I've got a a different moment um, Mm. in terms of my favourite moment because it was, I think, for me, it was taking my son to Millwall, really, uh, and, and it, I took right. I took him to. I said about the the Wigan playoff game a couple of years before that, and I can't. Yeah, yeah. I think we were coming out of the first division into the championship, and and mm. I think uh, I took him there, and we turned up nice and early. We travelled all the way down from where I live now, so it took about yeah. five hours to get there. Parked the car up close to the ground, which you could do then. Got yeah. got in the ground, got in our seats, and we were right at the end of the um, the stand. Where you've got the the away supporters on the left hand side. So is that the west stand? Yeah. Is that the west stand? Uh, the north stand is where the away fans. Yeah. Go. So what's the stand uh, next to it on the on the side? Where, the weather be the west. Yeah. West. It could be the east, yeah. but yeah, probably the west bottom. Your description. So yeah. so we were sat in there, and obviously the the two hundred Wigan supporters turned up, you know, because it wasn't many of them. <laughs> and me and my lad were there, and, and there was loads of space around us, and I thought oh, that'd be a nice, you know, yeah. interesting watching game. And about five minutes, yeah. five minutes before the game kicked off, suddenly. Yeah. We just got surrounded by all these pissed up Millwall supporters, and <laughs> and this is the first game I'd ever been with my lad, and I think he was about thirteen or fourteen. So we then spent ninety minutes because they went for they went for a couple of pints at half time, but we spent ninety minutes being surrounded by these lads. All they did they ignore the game, just slaughter these Wigan supporters. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sat there thinking he must think this is harsh, you know, and, and, or and yeah, I, was, yeah. I, I couldn't say anything. So these lads just get. And at the end of the game, they all buggered off, and I sat there. With so I then said, "I'm sorry about." That. I said, "How did you find it?" Yeah, he said, "That it was fantastic." And and that, his, that's the thing, though, isn't it? His memory yeah, of Millwall yeah. now, or his start of his memories of Millwall, were that game and these people, and and how vicious it all was. I suppose you know, but for him, it was it was exciting. <laughs> And so unusual because he's obviously protected from that sort of life, and and. But that's that's, that's the thing. It's an interesting point, and I'd say I very I have a very similar story because I took I, I was living um, over in Wands with my ex partner. She I took her boy along to Mill. He was aged about 10, 11. Like he liked football, like kids do, but he'd never been. And I took him to, when we were in the third division days, or the the, 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 the the League Two or whatever it was called then. But we played Fulham. And um, again, I sat him in the lower, a bit similar to the story you've just described of your son, but um, I was responsible for this 10-year-old. You know, he, he was he hadn't had a sheltered life, but he hadn't been to Mill versus Fulham. And was, again, there was this bloke's effing and blinding at the, at the referee, at, at Keegan was managing them. And it was just like this relentless, very Millwall atmosphere of open, naked hostility towards... Fulham, who I think were going through a phase of having a lot of money with Keegan and they're yeah. looking to you know, buy their way out of the division. Um, and the same thing. I, I, I thought, oh, blimey, you know, I, I, bet, he's, I bet he's had his, um, you know, uh, <laughs> a shock, shock to the system there after 90 minutes of what would be 
a full-on local derby atmosphere. And I said to him, as he was going back to the car, I said, how'd you find it, James? He said, oh, he said, it's really good. He said, but I don't think you should bring mum down here. <laughs> oh, no, I, I don't think I should bring I, I never, never crossed my mind to bring her there. But, you know, uh, it's just interesting because, I mean, you know, we, we've both described those early 70s experiences where you kind of exposed to a fairly harsh environment. But once you get that plugged into that electricity, and like the two kids yeah. there, you know, yours and, and, and him, it's, there's an addictive quality to it, isn't there? Well, it's, you, know, um, you keep coming. It's an acquired taste. That, kind of, I think it's an acquired taste that, that the, 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 the younger you get it, the better it tastes. Well, I, I, I took yeah. I took my missus last year. We came down to watch the. Oh, uh, did you? We, we came down to yeah, watch yeah. a Reading game last year, and and I got to, we we sat at the the cold low lane, and as it is now, uh, yeah, and we were about three rows in. And there was loads of space because obviously it wasn't packed out for the game. It gets, yeah, yeah. And we sat there, and about two rows back were, the, were two blokes. And I was watching the game, and my missus couldn't stop listening to these two blokes because when, when there was not a lot going on, they were having a normal conversation about their working day and their week. But every time the ball was going sort of close to this end, they'd get up and go, you fucking wanker. And, it, and then as soon as the ball would get cleared away, they sit down and have a chat. Back to normal. So, so my missus spent the 90 minutes watching these two lads and she said yeah what a strange place to come to 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 chat about your day and then get so angry about everything and and it, we, sure we won one nil so it didn't matter but i'm sure there's a social kind of um documentary to be made about that but i think it's a it's a very good point i mean you i think half the um half the theater of it jim is that is what goes on around you oh, at the den, isn't it? as much as as much as the football i i i i, I, I it's, it's actually something I've always tried to capture a little bit doing these doing these podcasts, if, if as far as you ever can do. But I think that's great. I like that story. Um, there we are. Who's your far- current favourite Millwall player in, in the current squad? Who would you pick out as a favourite? Oh, I think um, I, if, if you're looking the last six weeks, you'd go for Fleming, wouldn't you? I think if it, yeah, over time, and you know, a, a player I really like and. And I think he's blown up and cold in terms of where the supporters are with him. I like Ryan Leonard. I think he's a mm. he's a sort of player that you know, if he stayed fit, he would be number one on the team sheet week in week out. And I think the the way things are now, I think Billy Mitchell is suddenly coming into his own. And I just hope this break hasn't sort of burst his bubble a bit, and and he's got to find that form again because I thought his form over the last four or five games has been fantastic. And you know, yeah. with him and uh, Savile in there, been brilliant. But I think it's. It's difficult to look, look past Fleming for, for what he's doing at the moment. Because I think, you know, we were saying before about flair players don't seem to do as well mm. at the game. I think we, we've got a flair player there who's got a little bit more about himself. And probably, you know, he could be uh, a standout player for us, you know, for a couple of seasons. But the chances are, if he is a standout player for us, he won't be here a couple of seasons. So <laughs> I, I think if, if I was going to be honest, I, I like the, the Ryan Leonard type of player, I like the Billy Mitchell sort of player. So I'd, I'd probably yeah. I'd probably have one of them too, and, and given the, his age, and I'd, I'd have Billy Mitchell as my favourite player because I think I think Fleming will be on his way somewhere, you know, and and we won't have had that long to have him as a a Mill legend type player as Mitchell. If if he keeps playing like he is, he could go somewhere, but I think he'll always be a Mill player, you know, and somebody we'll, we'll always have a lot right. of love for. Yeah, no, I, I, I really do like the look of Billy as he as he improves, um, and he's acquired a maturity, if that's the right term, to his play this season particularly. Mm. So I'm hoping that that's working with 
the likes of Gary Rowett and the coaching staff that's, that's really added depth to his game. Um, I, I, I like, personally, I like Murray Wallace as well, I think, for a yeah. for a player of limited... Uh, I've got, uh, was it Paddington Bear? The bear of little brain. The, the, the <laughs> player of limited means, you know. Um, I think he just makes, he maximises himself so well, Jim. I think right? that's a difference, Nick, yeah. I think he, there you go, you know, somebody like him, um, he hasn't got a handbrake to put on. Because I think he's he's given everything that he's got, so he can't restrict himself, yeah. and, and he'll make mistakes. But at the same time, I think you know he's a player that everybody can identify with. He's a working man's type player, isn't he? Rather than uh, yeah. you know somebody who's come from a little bit of a Natural better education. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It could be with Billy. You know, it might be that Billy's handbrake cables broke or something. You know, and he's actually having a bit of freedom that that he probably wasn't. <laughs> Given, but you know he's performing probably at a level he's never played in in the past, but he, he looks comfortable with it, doesn't he? I can't believe Billy's brother plays for Cholton. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, got to, that's, that's going back to the Cholton brothers, isn't it? You know, playing for different clubs. I remember you, you did a a chat with his dad, didn't you once? And yeah, you know, Paul, uh, yeah, and, well, Mitch, yeah, yeah, and he's, yeah, and he was saying, you know, wasn't Billy at Cholton at one point? And I think they might have come through the same same yeah, system. They, they didn't, they didn't take all, him on. Yeah, and um, what a bonus that is for us. And you know, you, you never know the other one might come as well if he's if he wakes up one morning and realizes what a, if he's what got a, any sense. What a toss club is with <laughs> <laughs> club that's adrift yeah. at the moment. I was reading about them. They 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 got anyway. We won't dwell yeah. on Charlton's problems. Um, actually, it leads us. It's a nice little segue into question number ten. Your your most disliked player or, or team or. I don't know if hate's the right way. I might, yeah. I might reword some of these questions. It's a bit too strong. Yeah. But clubs or players you dislike particularly? I mean, we touched on Lewis Graben already. Yeah. I've got no players, really, because I think players are, are players. The players that you normally hate are the ones you'd love to have in your own team. You know, and, and, yeah, it's often the reverse. Yeah. Love and hate yeah. me in close emotions. They're, yeah. they're only bastards when they're playing for somebody else. But I, I think I'd have... <laughs> I'd, I've got the team I hate and... You know, there are obvious reasons here, but it's Wigan and Wigan, Wigan, yeah. Wigan Athletic. Yeah. I mean, they weren't even a league club till about twenty years ago. You know, but you know, they they, no. they got their way through. But I, I've I already told you when I took my lad there, and that year they beat us in the playoffs. I went to the Johnson's Paint Trophy final. You know, when we played them there, <laughs> and, and and my story there, I, I did send you in a text once about this, but. My story there, I, I I took my missus because I couldn't get tickets from Millwall because they'd sold out. Right. We bought tickets through Wigan because they'd only sold right. two two and a half thousand or three thousand. Yeah, they had a very small contingent, so there, didn't they? We ended yeah. up and and we come down to London for the the weekend. She had a Millwall fleece on. Obviously, I had a Millwall fleece, and so we we <laughs> then went and stood amongst, and we were right on the very edge of the the Wigan supporters. Okay, and and they they were. Pointless, pointless people, you know, just doing whatever they do. And obviously, the, all the noise has come from Millwall, and, and it was great fun. But the, it's a dour game. And she was chatting to yeah. she was chatting to the people next to her because she right, was born right. in a place called Ormskirk, which is about ten miles from Wigan. So she's got right. she's got a similar accent, and but he, yeah. you know, sort of found them very interesting. <laughs> you know, whatever they talked about, and the, and then Ormskirk yeah. matters. And then as as Wigan scored in the ninety whatever it was minute, oh, you know. Mate. As yeah, they all yeah. jump up and scream, she's jumping up, screaming with them. And I, and I fucking looked at her. And I said, for fuck's sake, We're Christine. <laughs> and she looked at me like she wanted to kill me. And, I, and obviously having that and then taking my lad there and getting beat with in the playoffs, even though yeah. I think it was a nil-nil draw. 
I've always had that thing for Wigan because they've done us a couple of times, you know, at different points over the years. They were bogey side. They, did, they, they, they were always in their way the, at one the, point. The, the Wembley they? semi-final, you know, there was a, That's right, a, a, yeah. a little bit of argy-bargy between our own fans. That was Wigan's <laughs> fault as well. You know, so we they're just a team I, I can't stand. I mean, I, I don't mind the people because I don't have a lot to do with them. But, you know, as, as a club, I think they bought their way through to where they got to. I think they've been found out and they've even now they've got more problems, haven't they? And they've always, yeah, they, they lurch on yeah. the edge of, I mean, but, but for their benefactor, what was his name? They, Dave, they wheel them, wouldn't it? Yeah. No. Yeah, um, but for him, they wouldn't be where they are. But they were—they were bogey opponents. They just seem to be always in our way at a certain point. Well, they've in time. They've, we're playing them in two weeks, aren't we? And uh, yeah, we've got them at the den, and they've just yeah. appointed a new manager. So yet another team who gets a new manager comes down the den, and you can—you know—the writing's on the wall, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm—I'm yeah. I'm bringing my lad down for that as well, so I can just see it all going tits up again. Fingers crossed it does. No, that's fingers crossed it does. Achtung, Mehlball. Final question, probably the longest question now. We, we ask our guests to name their best choice, the best ever Millwall 11. So your, 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 your choice of team yeah. uh, over the years you've followed the club, well, I've, uh, Jim. I've, I've, I've wrote a long list of players, obviously players. Go on, for all this, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to the sort of 11 anyway. And, and in goal, yep. it, it, it was only ever Brian King for me. Even now, even now, I look back on him with such uh, such appreciation and fondness because he was he was so good yeah. for us and and recognised as a, a, a top class keeper. But he was never going to get in the England squad, or he was, he was never going to get that number one jersey for England because he was at Millwall. But at the same time, he was a fantastic goalkeeper, wasn't he? He was just he was a brilliant goalkeeper. Uh, I think England we were blessed with some great oh, yeah. goalkeepers at that. Yeah, well, you can never see it's not having a world class keeper because you're England and no, it just was unknown. Yeah. Um, I'd say this. I mean, having been brought up uh, my initial years with Brian King and goal, and then we had some good goalkeepers after uh, King left. I, I always had an expectation that we had a good goalkeeper, Jim. I, I always felt that we yeah, it was one area of the club where we were always strong, and we have been over the years. But that that I think that was a consequence of. Brian King being in goal for us. He just expected to have a brilliant goalkeeper. Yeah, I think we've been very lucky as well, Nick, with keepers. I think um, we've had surprise keepers, own Casey Keller, you know, yeah. Tony Warner, who was yeah, Liverpool great. number two. You know, they they, they all yeah, come yeah. to us and, and play really well, you know. And, and like you say, I think we've always been good and and Bart recently. And, yeah. you know, and at the moment, George Long, unproven, but, you know, he's not doing a lot wrong. So, you know, well, I think we've been speaks volumes, doesn't it? I mean, you know, we're coming back to league football on Saturday. We've we've seen six spots, so you know, it's been a good run of form, and, and he's, he's part and parcel of that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. but I'd, yeah, I'd have Brian King as mine anyway. You know, it's, Brian it's, King's yeah. a great choice in goal. What about your your back line? Are you going to go? Across uh, well, I started right back, and, and I've ended up. Okay. And I've ended up putting Alan Dunn in there. Funny enough, only because because okay. I'm trying to think some great right backs we've had, and and like I say, you know, the likes of Muscat and. You know, others yeah. others that have been in there, but for for whatever reason, Alan Dunn could never get get himself shifted out. You know, he used to play. He, he was a six or seven out of ten every game, and then every now and then, great survivor. Yeah, great survivor. And, and there must be something in there. The managers must have seen something more in him. And I think yeah. when you look at him, and and he used to look like a real thug, didn't he? You know, he was he was a <laughs> horrible looking lad that you, you, you just knew. You know, had that ability to to get in and hurt players and that. And, and he was very Millwall, wasn't yeah. he? He was Millwall in one person, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. He, he, I didn't see that much of him life, you know. But I just, you know, every time I used to watch him, I, I used to think, you know, there's a player there that that 
wears his heart on his sleeve and will give everything for it. And and he played what three hundred odd games, I think, for Mill. You know, so however many it was, yeah, he, yeah. you know, he yeah. he saw off so many people that there must be something more in him. So he, he'd be my right back anyway. Good choice. I yeah. like that choice. And then, what about in the centre? In the centre, uh, that's that caused me a right. Obviously, I'll have uh, Dorney. He'd be in there straight away. Dorney would mention, yeah. yeah, Aaron Dorney. And then I had a choice between uh, Paul Robinson or uh, Kitch. And and yeah. I think with Robbo, I, th- I think I went with Robbo out of the two of them okay. because I, I think probably never fully appreciated how good he was. You know, and I don't even know if he appreciated how good he was, but he was a. Uh, you know, alongside Darren Ward and, and players like that, he was he was cultured enough to score us goals. You know, and and defend with style rather than just be a, a thug who would bloody, you know, yeah, yeah. eat and kick and everything. You know, whereas I think with Barry Kitchen, he was a leader of men. I think we I think with Robbo, he was he was more of a cultured footballer than than people give him credit for. It's an interesting choice because I I, th- I think one of the one of the things whenever you start to go to football, Jim. And we, we keep saying early seventies. I think you tend to regard the players of your first team as as like gods, you know. I mean, and I suppose yeah. I've never never shifted Kitch out of that that place in my in my head. So it's quite interesting to go for a more recent fa- uh, player because Robbo was a good was a good, very very good centre half, and um, I think possibly he could have played at a higher level, but you know stayed with us. Um, yeah. I think it was that for his whole career, if memory serves. I don't think yeah. he ever. Apart from his early days, he did, you know didn't go anywhere else, did he? Who Robbo? Uh, Robbo. Yeah, well, he went to Portsmouth at the end, didn't he? I think, or Wimbledon oh, or somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think he, he, yeah, he was there, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Career. And I think yeah. if um, if I didn't have Dorney in there, I think um, it would be Robbo and Kitch would be my two. But good choice. He, he actually got he got in the way, Dorney. But left back. Left what back, about left back? There's only one, isn't there? I think um, it, it doesn't matter what generation you go to. Ian Dawes is the one that that, that, yeah. that Pete would pull out and. You know, you couldn't see a lot of weaknesses in him. Every, no. Everything he, he, he touches, good quality. And for me, he was, uh, a, a, if you like, in that back four, he, he looked fantastic. You know, so for me... Another cultured player, yeah, very similar to Dorney in that way, you know. He, yeah. he was a wrong-footed fullback, but he could still mm. play with his left as well, you know. So he, he, he was better than what we'd ever had, I think, or what I'd ever seen. And and, and just watching him, I was, I was very uh, very taken with him. He signed for us in the when we were in the first division, so he felt like a real upgrade. He's a cool, isn't he? Yeah. The kind of, yeah, the kind of player that we could hope to aspire to now that we'd made the top flight. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It felt like we, we we were upping our game in that way there, Jim, yeah. didn't it? You know, with, with, with his signature. But I, I think he was a great, very, very intelligent. And he was, player, wasn't he? He was, he was too intelligent, you know, for, for the general Millwall player. Like, he was uh, yeah, <laughs> very, true. very tidy. Yeah, very true. Let's right. go into midfield. Right. What about on your, and again, I'm, your, your... I'm going with four across the middle, and and okay. my my two right sided players. I've chosen Keith Weller because I thought he was just okay. He, he was a striking winger. You know, he was the guy from the right hand side could score goals. He was he was mainly a striker anyway. But I think as his career developed, he turned into a right sided sort of midfielder before right sided midfielders existed. You know, and, yeah. and and he could he could do that job. So I'd, I'd put him in there, but. If you like an honourable mention, I'd give to Paul Eiffel because I think he was a player who'd come on leaps and bounds in Millwall, and and really we saw probably the best of him. Even though he went on to have a, a career away from us, yeah, I thought he yeah, was absolutely yeah. fantastic. And, and as inconsistent as he was, he was probably one of the flair players that did get a look in at Millwall and, and was appreciated. And I think 
appreciated more when he left than, than when he was here because you know there, there was things he, he used to do that were fantastic for me and yet like I say you know he, he had a career away from us and we realised how good he really was so I think grab and come yeah. I think when he left I think it's when grab and come in and he I think he did and he looked to have that yeah. similar sort of ability but just couldn't turn it on and, and I thought at the beginning couldn't turn it on but then over over a little period of time I thought he was he was a, a mainstay of our side for a couple of years. Eiffel had an, um, an unpredictable quality you never quite knew what you were going to get but whenever Paul Eiffel got the ball you you sat forwards well, He's one of those players you you had an expectation that something might happen here you know. Well, go that semi-final um, goal against Sunderland you know it was, him, yeah, it was his goal yeah, wasn't it? and it was yeah, only Cale yeah. finished it off but it was all because of yeah. Eiffel nicking the ball and uh, Driving Absolutely. forward, yeah. So I'd, I'd have Keith Weller only because of the generation thing, and I, and I have a, a a great sort of appreciation of what he had. But I, I did love Paul Eiffel. Um, Weller was, I mean, you, you predate me. I, I never saw Weller play, so I, I, I can only go by the the comments that those yeah. like yourself and others have made about him. Very, very well respected, and very highly skillful. Yeah. Um, Attacking midfielder who went on to Leicester and, and yeah, um, Chelsea did uh, Chelsea did from us, didn't he? Chelsea, yeah, that's uh, right. And, and he played Leicester. in America, didn't he? Yeah, MLS, Leicester, yeah. yeah, in the end, yeah, that's right. Um, but great, great yeah. choices there. Um, let's keep going across. We're right, going to play across, with four man midfielders. Yep, so the, the two centre midfielders, I was going to go for Alex Ray and uh, Les Briley, but I ended up okay, I ended up going with Tim Cahill and Terry Urlock only because talk chalk and cheese and. You know, if <laughs> if if Kale went forward, the one player he'd want to hang back and and break anything down, including people, would be Terry Erdock. You know, he was. I, I, That's a crunching midfield there with Kale. Oh, Kale was no slouch. No, but <laughs> for, for Kale, it was, it was for me. It was the other side of his game. You know, he, he was a workhorse anyway, but he could just yeah. turn up, couldn't he? And, and suddenly the ball's in the net, and it, a great goal catch. He, you know, he just had a knack, didn't he? You know, and, and his his understanding, I suppose, you know, showed more. Away from Millwall, but you know, yeah. if it was modern day player now, you know, how much could Millwall have sold him for now rather than whatever they did two minutes? Oh, wow. You know, he, he was yeah. so unusual, yeah, yeah. But now you're looking at Fleming and you're looking at Kale, and they're, they're both sort of similar attacking midfielders. But I always thought Kale was a, a more dynamic, you know, he was he was a running midfielder, wasn't he? Who would still get he was on industrious, the other stuff, yeah. but he had skill, yeah, yeah so uh, and he would produce goals. I've, yeah, I've picked it, choice. I've picked him over Alex Ray and. and for no other reason than it, he got more goals and and probably had a little bit more flair about himself. But Alec Ray was absolutely fantastic player for us as well. You know, it's, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, and you know, it, my biggest shame with all these players is they all moved on. You know, all the, all the, the best players all moved on. We, we never saw them sort of from the beginning to the end of their careers. And story of Millwall, Jim. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Um... You know that's 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 wonderful. Oh, you mentioned Gordon Hill all the way back at the start of the conversation. Yeah. It's one of my early early exposures to the realities of Millwall that we had this you know brilliant winger and we sold him. Yeah, as, <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the rest of your life, yeah. Nick. You know um, what's that all but, about? Yeah. But then I, what's I, that all about? I, I, at the two, I mean, I, I got Urlock and Briley in the the same. But Les Briley, what a when they played together, they were fantastic, you know, and Briley was a, oh, absolutely. A, a, absolutely. A, a quality player. You know, he was the, the tidy player, but he loved putting his foot in as well, you know, and, and you, you listen to him talk now and you wouldn't think he was that sort of player, would you? Cause he's, he's very culture, very, no. very nicely spoken. And obviously he had Terry then who, who was the, if there was a typical Millwall player and, and I'd, 
all around the world. And I've said about Millwall and Millwall players, anybody from sort of 35 onwards knows Terry Erlock and well, that's, all that's that appreciation. We did a, a, a while ago, Neil and I did a, a, a What Makes a Millwall Legends show. And I mean, in playing terms, uh, Terry Hurlock wasn't with us for that long, but he, he kind of epitomised the club. And I think every Millwall fan, certainly of our era, almost saw themselves in Terry Hurlock out there. And yeah. he had that kind of presence. And he was a very skillful player, but he obviously yeah. developed the kind of phys- physicality uh, reputation of, 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 the, of his game and also of the club. Um, and I think for that reason, many, many, many people would pick him out as a, as a Millwall legend for yeah. that reason. That he, I think he he's, represented them. I think his appearance, you know? appearance worked for him as well. You know, he, he, long black hair. <laughs> he looked very, uh, very uh, sort of rough and ready anyway, didn't he? Uh, before he actually... Very typical. Yeah. But I, I, I always remember, I, I can't even think which World Cup. Would it have been the 90 World Cup or something like that? When um, mm. either Robson or Wilkins got injured. And they were yeah. they were then talking about a replacement, and his name kept cropping up, you know, as a, yeah. as a perfect yeah. replacement to go in, and he, he didn't go in the end. But what a fantastic player for us! And and even when he came back, he was still probably not as good as he had been, but he was still revered by everybody, wasn't he? Because you know, he's still Terry Urlock, and he always will be, and and he's, he you know he he, he remains um, highly highly thought of to this day. Yeah, great choice, and of course in England England B international, I don't yeah. ever made the, which, the full England side. Which, Means nothing now, but it used to be mass- massive, wasn't it? You know, it was a big deal. Well, the, the, the pre, big deal. If you, the night before the cup final, they used to have a an English football league against the English B, didn't they, or something like that? You know, That's as a, right. a representative yeah. game. So yeah, and he, he was, you know, he was always my type of player, I suppose, and, and most Mill supporters type of player, Terry. So much, that, much loved, and very skillful, more skillful than yeah. perhaps was always given the credit for. Yeah. Um, who's your fourth midfielder? My, is is my left-sided midfielder, Gordon Hill. Because Gordon Hill. It, it's absolutely Great. fantastic to watch as a as a young man and Merlin, you know, a, yeah. a, a lad who could just beat players, you know, in a in a phone box. He, you know, he could get past two or three, couldn't he, and still come out with a ball and, and then deliver absolutely. crosses. And and I think I've, I've mentioned it to you, you know, before where I, I actually did a, a football course where Gordon was on it. And... It, we're, right. we're the same age and, you know, it was me sort of labouring to get around the, the pitch and everything. Gordon limping, you know, two bad knees, but he, you know, it's just still beating players for fun. You know, and he wouldn't even touch the ball when he beat you, you know, and it's absolutely fantastic. And, and a lovely man, you know, I've, I've kept in touch with over the years through that. And, yeah. and, and, and I always found it, and he was always one of my favourite players, which made meeting him and, and sort of getting on with him a little bit even better. But he was... He was a fantastic player and probably more appreciated once he'd gone, you know, to, to United Manchester a bit United. And, and people could see what he could do and, and playing for England. And he was, England, England international, full international. But he was one of ours, wasn't he? You know, and and that's the thing, you know, yeah. whenever you meet these people and, and I've met a few ex-Millwall players in the time and everybody loves Millwall. If they're an ex-player, they love Millwall. You know, there's, there's something yeah. about the club and, you know, it's, it's, it's in their blood anyway, isn't it? Somebody like Gordon and, Players like that who grew up in their uh, their learning years get get what the club's about and and never forget that either. No, so, I think I think I think you're right. I think I think some players just fall in love with us and remain that that relationship remains. Um, and he went on to a great thing, but he played out his career in in the USA. Yeah, no one, yeah. He's, and he, I think he's based over there. He's got his own uh, football academy out there now, you know. And and again, you know. 
he, he's in his sixties and just enjoying life as a an ex footballer. I think so. Yeah, good luck, to him. Good luck and to also him. very funny, wasn't he? Very funny man. He was. He was. He had. He did a, like a, had a Norman Wisdom yeah. style. And he was still on that course. Him. He was still doing it. <laughs> he was still tripping over and uh, doing his normal. Well, when you get a good line, you got you got to keep at it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. So. Are you going to play up front, up front on your on your eleven then? And again, for me, it was um, it was sort of quality and quality. I've got um, Teddy Sheringham and Neil Harris. Absolutely. I think it's yeah. if any team that had one of them in would be quite happy. But if you got them both together. And I mean, you talk about Teddy Sheringham's intelligence as a player. You know, it, it yeah. showed as he was in his thirties and forties. You know, he's he was just such an intelligent lad. And and when he was a younger player, how people mm. how they, remember he got doubted, didn't he, by a lot of people was to whether he make he's, it. He's yeah. Slaughtered from the halfway line, certainly yeah. people would be on his back. You know, but then he got um, he, he got better. And again, he, he had his years and he had his loyalty to Millwall at the time. I think that got tested. I think he still does. I think he still does. I think he got tested a little bit later, didn't it? Yeah, it's um... pantomime quality to some of that. I mean, his contribution is is second to none, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I think anyone that watched the watched us get promoted in eighty seven, eighty eight, Jim, you can't. I don't know. You, you you can never forget that season, and then Teddy was an integral part of it. He was also one of the first first Mill strikers I ever saw. I remember seeing that would actually show intelligence to kind of pull wide and make runs on the flanks yeah. rather than being the straight down the middle man, you know, um, the, the traditional centre forward. But Teddy would often drift wide and, and put the ball back into the box for yeah. Gasparino, well, I, which is quite quite something that, you know, I remember being really struck by that. I think the, the thing that stood out with him, he, he wasn't the quickest, he wasn't the biggest or anything, no. but he, he was just so tidy. And I always thought it was a real sort of testament to his abilities when when Cantona left United and pe- mm. people couldn't see how he would get replaced and yet a replacer with Teddy Sheringham, you know, which yeah. master stroke by Ferguson, but, you know, Brian Clough loved him and bought him from uh, Millwall to go to yeah. Forest and then Ferguson loved him and took him there and England loved him and put him up in front with Shearer. So, you know, whatever anybody ever says about it, absolutely fantastic play, you know, that, that played, he, I think he got a maximum 100% out of himself, you know, over the years and, and and just was all quality, wasn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. And success at uh, success at Millwall, success at, at um, to some le- level, I suppose, at, at Forest, but certainly at Manchester United, yeah. and, the, and and then Tottenham after yeah. that, um, yeah. and then the rest of his career we won't talk about. Yeah, he, <laughs> he went down the toilet, then, didn't he? <laughs> Neil Harris, I mean, yeah. you know, we've we've mentioned him on so many shows. Um yeah. but I I always think his his scoring record, I mean the scoring record between him and Sheringham is, is incredible, Jim. Yeah. It? I mean he was a machine in his younger days in that in that third division um winning season, the championship season when we got promoted. He was actually absolute unit out there. For, but he uh, was he, I think he was he was another one, you know, he sort of came out of non league to us and and mm. People couldn't believe how good he he was very quickly. I think, and and he, he never stopped, did he? I think he disappeared to Forest for a season or two, and then, and come back and In Cardiff. Was that everyone? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? He was. Did he finish up at Gillingham as well somewhere? But these were these were the. Uh... The kind of uh, dark years yeah. in his career, but it was, it was always a Millwall player, and his theatre was the den, wasn't it? And I don't think he's, he's lost his shine with us either. I, think. I, I know the no. his management sort of ended sort of a, a, probably a bit sour for him than than the club, but at the same time, I think he'll still come back and he'll still be Neil Harris, and everybody will love him, and you know he'll always be that that 
player that everybody loved, you know, at that time. And, and in 30, 40 years time, there'll be people talking about him, you know, as being Neil Harris and how lucky they were to see him. Very nice bloke as well. Um, yeah. Having spoken to him personally, very, very nice bloke. So I, th- I mean, that's always interesting. I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier on, Jim, I mean, having had the chance doing this uh, podcast to speak to a few Mill players, older Mill players yeah. over the, over the time, they're often really nice blokes, and it's you know it's a rare it's a rare situation where you think oh I don't know about him you know um, yeah. for the most part I've always found every player that I've I've, I've had a, the luck to speak to to be really pleasant really really yeah. decent people. And, but do you know what? They're, they're I the think they all have that that connection straight away. You know, if if you talk to people about Millwall, once yeah. you get over the initial thing, you know you'll be all right. But if you talk to somebody who's been at Millwall. You don't have to get past that initial thing because straight away you're in talking about the club and you know and what their vision of it. I, I met Malcolm Allen, you know, and, and he was exactly the same. Yeah. And he travelled around a few different clubs and you know, again yeah. absolutely loved Millwall. And and why wouldn't they? You know, the, the the appreciation they get if they perform, I think, is is fantastic for them and, and probably don't get a lot of other places, you know. Well, I think it's one of the one of the um, from from an outsider's point of view, people that form a, a certain opinion of, of our club. But I always find it interesting. I follow uh, Richard Shaw on Twitter, um, and it, 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 I think he's made it quite well known that he, when he first came to us, obviously from uh, Coventry and then Crystal Palace. Um, but he, he said, with the reputation of the club, he didn't know what to expect. And he said to his wife, uh, partner, if he got any hassle, um, he, he would just—he was at the point in his career where he just walk, he'd go, you know, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't listen. But, but I think he went on to become player of the of the season and. You know, still speaks very highly of the club even now. On on whenever, whenever he's um, interviewed, so there's something about the club in there. There's something um, rough and ready, but something something real and something authentic about us. I say it's, it's, um, it's a working class club, and I think people wear their hearts yeah. on their sleeves. And and I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I think if you know what people are about, then you know you you, you can get an understanding. I think it's the the, the prawn sandwich, if you like, clubs that. That you're not quite sure. I mean, if you went to Crystal Palace, you'd think they'd never have a day's problem in their life, would you? You know, or or Charlton. You know, you think that their life is spent just sort of sat down listening. You know, you just don't don't sort of you, you never get that in Millwall. And, and to be fair, like I said, I was in Dubai last week, and, yeah. and one of the good things about being a Millwall, so I had a Millwall T-shirt on at the time, and and after the Wales game where everything was getting a little bit tetchy. Yeah. Some bloke said something behind me, so I walked over to him to ask him what he'd said. And what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but his his mate straight away said, "Oh, you're Millwall." I said, "Yeah," and he shook me hand on that, and so it diffused the situation, you know. Whereas maybe if I had me uh, Crystal Palace shirt on, it might have, uh, it might have yeah. kicked off. Well, I don't. Yeah, it yeah. never kicked off. I just started running, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's fantastic, Jim. We've reached the end of the line. I'm just going to read through your 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 all-time eleven because I think it's worth just repeating. We've got Brian King and goal across the defence. Ian Dawes, Paul Robinson, Alan Dorney, Alan Dunn. Midfield: Gordon Hill, Tim Cahill, Terry Hurlock, and Keith Weller. And then up front: Teddy Sheringham and Neil Harris. Yeah. That is some eleven there, mate. Yeah. That is a fantastic. I think we, we go forward all right there, and, and we'd be well protected at the back. So. Right. I think I think we'd have it sewn up, sewn up on, yeah. on all, both ends of the pitch. And if I had to manage him, I have to say, if I had to have get a manager, I'd have George Graham because I think, yeah, great, great me, manager, wasn't he? He was the start of anything that was good about Millwall, you know, and 
and you watch him in future years or later years and you know he never lost that sort of discipline that he had and his uh, ability to to motivate so he started us i think getting us promoted and getting us up into the uh, what was the old first division i know the the doc took us up there but i think graham was the, the catalyst for it all well, he actually, I, I don't think it's any exaggeration, Jim, to say that uh, George Graham saved Millwall Football Club because we were on the brink of relegation to the fourth division at one point. And I don't know what would have become of us with crowds of a couple of thousand at the den, you know, yeah. and who knows where that could have led us to. Amazing. So to avoid that, everything else, uh, all the good stuff of the late 80s and the fact we're still here can be pinned back to George Graham and he's and he's um he's a semi miracle yep. he's, he's staged in saving us now. We're going to the promised land, aren't we now? So. <laughs> all because of George Graham. because it well it's a long while back <laughs> yeah. and some will say, what are you talking about? But I I, I believe it's true. Yeah. Um I I think we're in for a good good second phase of the season now. We come back on Saturday, Jim, and we're sitting six in the in the championship. Um, probably all go wrong. Probably get beat asunder, and we'll have a, a depressive um, post-match show. But, um, you know, I think we've got every opportunity to this season. Well, and you know, what? it's not a great championship, is it at all? You know, whoever whoever goes up will probably come back down. But at the same time, for us, it is about getting up. It's not about you know anything else. Getting the playoffs and sixth position a month ago didn't look sort of possible, did it? Or two months ago, mm-hmm. as time is, but. You look at how we got there and suddenly a little change, a little tweak, you know, it's the row at Southgate thing, isn't it? You know, one little tweak will make all the difference and suddenly, suddenly we've got there. So how we've got there, I really don't know. And and it's just that hope that says we all know what we can do and will we do it? And, you know, if we get to March, April, we're still in some sort of similar position. What a fantastic season we've had. And then we'll end, then we'll end up in eighth again. <laughs> Jim, it's been fantastic to yes. meet you at last. Yeah, week. great to see you. Um, great conversation. Really appreciate your time no, today. More than welcome. Jim Hackett is our listed line listeners. Thank you for listening. Brilliant. Uh, we'll be back with another edition, another day. Until then, from Jim and I, so Riva Dirty Millwall. Yeah. Come family. on, you Lions. Achtung, Millwall. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.